Lord, thank you for this week and what it means and represents. Thank you for just the blessing of those kids that came out and pray they would just go home and tell their parents about you, Lord, and just generations would be touched by you, your love, through your spirit. Thank you for the youth that are willing to come out here and do the worship and just to serve. Say thank you for that and just pray now that you would let your spirit teach and we would listen in all ways and all things in your name. Amen. Acts 16. One of the ongoing themes in VBS this year was this idea of treasure. And it worked out very well because when I was reading ahead on what we were going to be going through in the book of Acts, this theme of treasure combined very nicely with this. What I would like to do this morning is we're just going to read verses 11 through 15, continuing on on Paul's second missionary journey here in our study in the book of Acts. But I want to use this as a springboard to talk about this theme and idea of treasure, because you're going to see that this morning. So, if you guys want to put that slide up real quick, we just like to have in the background here, as we go through all these different names of towns, I think it's nice to have a little bit of a visual map to be able to explain what's going on in some of these places they are. So as they get that up, I'm just going to start reading here in verse 11. It says, Therefore, sailing from Troas, we run a straight course to Samthras, and the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days, and on the Sabbath day we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. When she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. You can see Paul continuing on his missionary journey. Now, a few little house-cleaning things here before we move on. You note that it goes to the first person now. It says, we, in verse 11. This is where Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, joins in this missionary journey. So, hence, we. Second off, you see this being a group of women by the riverside. The way it worked back during New Testament times is if you had enough men, you would start up a synagogue in your city. Obviously, by them not having a synagogue, because Paul generally, customarily, would go to the synagogues to preach. He didn't go to synagogue here, so it looks like they did not have enough Jewish men in the city to form a synagogue. So he found that they met, the God-believing Jews met along the riverside, and they went to go minister to them there. One last point, you see them ministering to a woman by the name of Lydia. This is very important. A lot of the times you hear people start to make uh, disparaging remarks about the Bible, some of the sexist comments supposedly about the Bible. What I see in this passage here this morning is that this grace given to us is given to all, be it men, women, etc. And the same Holy Spirit given to men is the same Holy Spirit given to women. And you see this beautiful picture here of Lydia coming to know Christ. Now, this is where I want to use this as a springboard. Because if you look there in verse 15, And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, begged us, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Beg them to come. When's the last time you were that passionate about something with the Lord? I mean, when's the last time you you got up in the morning and you just, you could not wait to see what the daily devotional had? You were going somewhere in the car and you just kept turning the dial saying, I just can't wait to find a message on the radio of the Lord or hear that worship song. I just can't wait to get home just to study my Bible. This idea of she is so passionate, she's begging them. I want this. And I've been saved for 21 years, and we just mentioned at the Wednesday night study, and I confess that sometimes it reaches a point after walking with the Lord for a while, you become underwhelmed with God. Because you've seen it. 
People get saved, marriages get healed, you read those passages, and what happens is this relationship with the Lord almost becomes, dare we say, kind of ho-hum a little bit. And it's important to go back and see somebody who at first, Lydia, that is so passionate for the things of God, she can't wait to get more. Now here's the problem. This is what we normally do. We normally compare our relationship with the Lord to marriage. This idea of when you first get married, there's this honeymoon phase. You're excited. You want to spend time with each other. You can't wait to be around each other. But then as the marriage progresses, you kind of reach this comfortability and, you know, you move past that honeymoon stage. And a lot of people say that's the way it is with your walk with the Lord. You first get saved, you're excited, you're passionate, etc. But then you kind of build into this mature relationship with the Lord. I used to think that. But I started realizing that's not biblical. You realize we're taking a human relationship, marriage, and then applying it to a spiritual relationship, God. We should flip that around. We should take our spiritual relationship with the Lord and apply it to our marriage. I don't ever see once Paul writing letters in the New Testament saying, Hey guys, just want to let you know I've been walking with the Lord now for a while. And it's going okay. He was excited. He was passionate. It never stopped. You don't ever see him writing some letters saying, Hey, you know as you walk with the Lord after a while, it's just going to become kind of nice and normal. Get in a groove. No. If anything, you see as Paul got closer to the end, as Peter got closer to the end, or James, or John, or Jude, any of these guys that wrote the New Testament, the closer they got to the end of their earthly lives, the more passionate they got for the Lord. Why have we flipped that around? We start saying things like, oh, I've been walking with the Lord for 30, 40 years. They're just this nice, quiet, mature. Is that code for spiritually dead? Lydia was excited. Well, of course she was excited. It was new. It was fresh. No, maybe this is the way it's supposed to be for us. Ask yourself this. Has your walk with Christ just kind of become there? I mean, I'm not trying to step on your toes. I'm asking you. I mean, it's not that you don't love Jesus. It's not that you don't believe in the truth of the Word. It's not that you're not passionate about the things of God. But how is it? See, the theme for VBS, one of the key words, was this idea of treasure. Lydia treasured her relationship with the Lord. Treasured it. The Bible makes it very clear that where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be also. So what we need to ask ourselves is, if the things of God are supposed to be our treasure, and if you study the Bible, that is our treasure. The Bible makes it clear, the Word is our treasure, wisdom is treasure, relationship with God is treasure. So, is my heart there? That's what I always say, and you've heard me say this many times before in teachings. The priorities of my life are this. Jesus, number one. Dawn, number two. My boys, number three. Harvest Fellowship, number four. Jesus, my wife, my kids, and the church. Those are my priorities. Now, let's get a realistic list. That's what we're supposed to say, right? See, when I do counseling with people, one of the things I usually ask them is, what are your priorities? And they almost always say, God first, then my spouse, then my kids, then this. And I always say, okay, now give me your real list. What's your real list? Because you want to hear my real list right now? Like I said, it's Jesus, my wife, my kids, and Harvest. My real list this last week has been my number one heart treasure has been landscaping. That's what it's been. We got a load of stones. We had to spread that out. I've been spraying. I've been weed whacking. And Dawn says she wants to get a load of moss. My treasure this week has been landscaping. Now, that's not really true, you say, and I'm going to say, no, it has. Because where my heart is, that's my treasure. 
That's what the majority of Dawn of Mind's conversations have been lately is, okay, we got to get the stone unloaded. Now we got to get the stone done. She just got done painting the porch. Okay, now we got to get more. That's what we're talking about. See, the Bible also says this. And Luke, if you want to write this down, Luke 6, verses 43 through 45, it's what comes out of your mouth is your treasure. What you talk about is what your treasure is. The majority of the conversations at our house has been getting the outside ready. That's been our treasure lately. Ask yourself this. you got your list of what your treasure is supposed to be. Now make your real list. What are you really thinking and talking about and planning? Do you have vacation coming up and that's become your treasure? What about work? See, here's the thing. People always say, oh, work, trust me. Work is not my treasure. Then why do you talk about it all the time? Well, I'm not talking. I'm complaining about it. Well, it's still wrong. Any way you look at it. It's amazing what we become our treasure. So if I wanted to be honest, landscaping has become my treasure this week. You know what my next treasure has been? I wish Jesus was number two, but I've been so busy with life and VBS and, and landscaping. My second treasure this week has been quiet time. That's all I think about. But wouldn't it be nice just to be kind of quiet? I like to go out and run, and my boys have gotten older now where they like to go run with me. I'm so old and out of shape that as I run, I can't talk. Now, Elias went with me the other day, and we were doing a like end of run for a mile, and he just blah, 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 not stop. I can't keep up. The other day I was doing something with Judah, and he just never stopped talking. I said, Judah, did you ever stop talking? He goes, no. And just blah, 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 just kept on going. <laughs> I treasure quiet time. And we may be making a joke out of it, but what really is important to you? Lydia was the Lord. Now, we all know it's supposed to be the Lord. We all know that. And that's what we will all answer. And I'm not looking for the answer that we want to hear. I'm looking for your honest answer. What is your treasure? Vacation, work projects at home, work, getting this done, getting that done. What is your treasure? I had a lot of funerals that I did in the month of June. And any time I do a funeral, you know, Jonathan spoke a little bit about his sister-in-law, and Heidi mentioned something at the 8.30. I always, as I'm, I'm sitting there doing a funeral, and I'm listening to people give... Memories of grandma and grandpa and mom and dad. I, I always, in the middle of that funeral, think, it's going to be different now. I'm around death a lot. It's going to be different now. I'm going to, as soon as I get out of here, not that I want to get out of the funeral, don't take it that way, but as soon as I can get home, I'm going to give my wife a hug. I'm going to tell my boys, whatever you want to play today, we're going to play. I, whatever you want, because I see what is treasure. When you see death and you see it going, you see what's right. So that's my mindset during the funeral. By the time I get done with the funeral and I get done with my half hour or whatever drive home, my first thought is, boy, i got a lot to do. Boys come running up to me, Dad, can you play? Yeah, let me get this done first. What did I just say right there? My treasure is this job. My treasure is this responsibility. My treasure is, guys, i got to get trash burned. That's my treasure. Now, you may be stopping and saying, no, you're, you're, not, you're looking at it wrong. You're, you're misplacing responsibility with treasure. There's a difference. No, there's not. Because treasure is what you deem as important at that moment. If you'd ask my wife what her treasure is, she would say, hopefully, Jesus, me, the kids, and then hopefully at church. You know what her honest treasure is? I've already picked on myself. Her honest treasure is a clean kitchen. That's all she talks about. That's all she thinks about. She thinks about counter space with nothing on it. 
She thinks about a dishwasher that's not completely dirty or completely... Her treasure, that's all she talks about is a clean kitchen. And that's becomes the passion. We really have to stop and say, what is important to me? Because where my heart is, that is where my treasure is going to be. And my mouth, what I talk about, what I think about, reveals what's important. Don't get me wrong. Jesus... Honestly speaking, he's got to be at least top ten in my life, right? The truth is, so many other things jump in the way. And this little phrase I've been thinking about all week is this. It's very simply put. I let life get in the way of living. Life gets in the way of living. I allow the things of life to become my treasure. When really, I'm living for Jesus and Jesus alone. Lydia got that. She begged for them to come and explain more things of the Lord. Now we sit here and say, well, that's great. That's a new believer, that excitement, that passion. Let them walk with the Lord for a while and see them mature into a... Are we really just saying that to make ourselves as mature believers feel better? Oh, I remember when I got first saved, I told everybody about Jesus. I heard a pastor say one time, if all your testimony is about stuff that happened years ago, then where's your testimony now? Lydia was passionate, and I want that passion for me. I want that. And even right now, as I'm giving you this message, I keep thinking, okay, when I get done with church, I'm going to get home, and I'm going to eat lunch. That's my treasure real quick. I'm going to eat lunch. And after I eat lunch, we're going to make sure we got a good family devotional today, and I'm going to tell those boys, whatever you want to play today, we're going to play. And I'm hearing this, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I don't think you got all the weed whacking done, did you? No. It's a good day today. should probably get that done. And then in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? We talked about having somebody over this week. We should probably go. And all of a sudden, treasure becomes life when really it's Jesus and Jesus alone. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 2, please. What is your treasure? What do you think about? What do you talk about? What drives you? I hope it's an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. I hope it's the reality of heaven, the reality of hell. I hope it's this idea that Christ died on the cross for your sins, and that's what drives you. We do have responsibilities in this life. Paul talks about in the book of Acts that he was out making tents. Jesus said, occupy till I come. There are things we have to do, that's true. But there's a lot of time where we can choose what's important to us. Have you lost that passion? Well, Jeremiah chapter 2, I want to talk about that. Now, first off, as we get into Jeremiah, I have to say this. Jeremiah is arguably one of the most depressing books in the entire Bible. Because Jeremiah is a prophet that, as far as we can tell, not a single person listened to his message. He went on for years, and not a single person responded. Jeremiah got thrown in the pit. He went through various times of trial and tribulation personally in his family. He eventually reached a point halfway through the book of Jeremiah where he said, I quit. And God says it doesn't work that way. But it's interesting that this, dare we say, depressing book starts out with such a plea by God. Because what had happened was as Israel had moved away from that passionate relationship with Jehovah, And God says, I want you back. Look at verse 1 of Jeremiah 2. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you. 
the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness in a land not sown. He starts out this book by saying, I remember how close we were, Israel. Because you remember what it was like. I think the Lord still says that today. James, do you, do you remember where you could not wait to get up in the morning to spend time with me? Do you remember when you would come home and the only thing Dawn and you would talk about is who you got a chance to minister to? Do you remember where you would just sit there and just wait for an opportunity to tell people about the Lord? Yeah, I remember that. And then life got in the way of living. See, we got to be careful that... We don't lose that passion for what's important. And sometimes those things that we deem as treasure are very, very good things. But nothing can supersede Jesus. I know people that have made their treasure their family. And you may say, well, isn't that a good thing? I've seen family overtake Christ. Now, it's all done in the disguise of goodness. But I've seen that happen. My treasure is my relationship with Christ Jesus. That's supposed to be number one. I should value that. I should cling to that. That should, that should drive me. I look at Lydia and that excitement she has, and Lord, I want that again. I look at Jeremiah here in chapter 2, and I look at his desire for me. There's a great passage in the book of James where it says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Think about that. As you draw near to the Lord, he becomes closer to to you. He desires that. What keeps us from this? Can you go to Ecclesiastes? Let's go from the second most depressing book to the most depressing book. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. A lot of people struggle with Ecclesiastes. It's a tough book. I actually love Ecclesiastes. Certain times in my Christian walk, Ecclesiastes has been my favorite book in the Bible. I believe it's the most honest book in the entire Bible. Ecclesiastes is written from the perspective of a man who knows what he's supposed to be doing in the Lord, but not doing it, and the discouragement that he's facing with that. A lot of people look at Ecclesiastes and say, why is it in there? Because it's honest. This is an honest book. And what you see here at the beginning of Ecclesiastes in chapter 2, you see Solomon saying, basically, I have it all. I have every treasure you can imagine. But how does he sum it up? Ecclesiastes 2, verse 3. We're not going to read every verse verbatim. We're going to hit the high points here. And we're going to do verses 3 through 11 to get the point. This is Solomon saying how much he has. Verse 3 of Ecclesiastes 2. I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly so I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. He says, okay, I got wine. I've satisfied every desire of my flesh. Verse 4. I got works. I have houses, I have vineyards, verse 5, I have gardens, I have orchards, verse 6, I have water to water them, verse 7, I have servants, even my servants have had kids, so I have servants of servants, verse 8, I have silver, I have gold, verse 9, I am great and excelled more all who were before me in Jerusalem, verse 10, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this is the reward from all my labor. He had absolutely anything and everything a man could ever want. But verse 11, Then I looked on all the works that my hands had done, and all the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity, and grasping for the wind, there was no profit under the sun. He had everything, but he still did not have treasure. But even though he had treasure... See, that's just the thing. You can gratify yourself... 
feels good for a while. There, there's that verse there. Look at verse 10. I do not withhold my heart from any pleasure. It's pleasurable for a moment, but it doesn't last. You've had moments of pleasure. I've had moments of pleasure followed by shame and regret and disappointment. Last Sunday, I'm a soccer guy. I like soccer. World Cup final. Germany, Argentina, and I decided I was going to plant myself in front of the TV all afternoon and watch the game. Match came on at 3, pre-stuff started at 2. I had myself ready. So the boys and I on the way home from church last Sunday decided we were going to go all out. So we go to Dexter. We buy everything we could ever imagine. That sounds good. Went out and got a two-liter pop. I haven't had pop in a long time. We got, uh, what did we get? We got Swedish fish. We got juju fish. We got orange slices. We got fruit slices. Swiss cake rolls. Uh, popcorn. Anything you can imagine. And so a little after 2 o'clock, we waited until the baby went to bed because baby steals our fun by eating our candy. So we waited. He went to bed. And, and if you've ever been to my house, in my living room, we got this uh, kind of a coffee table. And it was full of Everything. Everything. And from a little after 2 to about 5.30, we withheld nothing from ourselves. Whatever you wanted to eat, you ate. As much as you want to eat, it was wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Then 1 a.m. came around. It wasn't wonderful. Monday was awful. Still felt awful Tuesday. I told Dawn, I am not as young as I used to. I used to be able to down a bag of Swedish fish and... Say, oh, they, I want more. You know, it just didn't work out. We have these moments of pleasure. I mean, I think about this. We have this idea of garden. Did you catch that in garden right there in verse 5? I made myself gardens and orchards. We have a garden. It brings pleasure. It brings a lot of work. And there's toil. You look out, yard. I drive by some of these houses when you go to these nice subdivisions and towns, and you look at those yards... There's that, that almost, I guess, jealousy, followed by, that's ah, too much work, you know? It's a treasure. And I'm not putting down yards, I'm not putting down gardens, I'm not putting down home improvement projects, I'm not putting down time with family. They all have value, but the problem is you have to stop and say, what's number one in my life? You have to. And with Lydia, we saw a woman who begged for more of the Lord. She had it right. If you've been walking with the Lord for years, maybe decades, is He still your treasure? And don't give me the little quick answer of, oh yeah, of course He is. Jesus is number one. What do you spend most of your time doing? What do you spend most of your time thinking about? What do you spend most of your time talking about? That will reveal your treasure. Luke 6, your words reveal what's most important to you. And I hope that is Christ. And I guess I'll sum it up by saying this. I don't have this all figured out yet. I know what it's supposed to be. Jesus, Dawn, my kids, and the church. I allow life to get in the way of living. I allow things to get out of order. You pray for me as I pray for you. That we would truly have a passionate desire to treasure the things of Christ. That matter for all of eternity. Listen to your words. Analyze your thoughts. You can tell what's important to people. All they talk about is work. All they talk about is pleasure. All they talk about is fill in the blank, the party, the sex, the drugs, the whatever. All they talk about is this project. All they talk about is this project. That's their treasure. Why do I want to talk about the Lord? Sincerely. Oh, I can fake it, right? We're all good at that. 
No, I want to sincerely be passionate about Christ and all that I say and all that I do. And I look at Lydia, it's like, Lord, bring me back to that place where I'm supposed to be. I look at what he wrote in Jeremiah and how much he desires for us to have that newlywed phase all the time. Lord, bring that back. Lord, I look at Ecclesiastes and I see the other side of it. Yeah, I can have pleasure for a moment, followed by its vanity. It's pointless. So what I see in Acts 16, I see a great example of a godly woman that is a great example for us still today, 2,000 years later, of I beg for more of the Lord. Boy, that's what I want to be passionate about. That's what I desire. That's the treasure that we were trying to tell the kids about this year at VBS as well. If the youth want to come forward here for the final song, as they get ready, let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to treasure you. Where our treasure is, there our heart is. We want our heart to be on you. Lord, our words, our thoughts, reveal what's important to us. Make it 